0: Amen. Let's turn to God's Word, to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2. I want to read the first 12 verses. Matthew, chapter 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Now I'm going to, um, this is first of a uh, three-part mini-series, if you like, on the star of Bethlehem and the The Magi and the scene that's portrayed here. First part tonight, second part next Sunday morning, and the third part, the final part, will be on Christmas Day. Um, Stuart, I wonder if it's possible. Could we put the upstairs lights off? Leave the downstairs one on. Uh, I just there's some things that it would be clear for people to see on the screen. Uh, I also want to say that I owe a huge amount of this. Looking at this from a book that I bought in Belfast. It was written by uh, an Ulsterman, Colin Nickell, and it's called The Christ Comet. And I cannot recommend it highly enough because I found it completely fascinating and uh, very, very enlightening for me, and I hope that um, uh, you will find that as well. It's uh, really, I thought, just a great explanation of this passage And of the star? See, there's all kinds of questions I hadn't really thought about. So, for example, how did the wise men know that the star was about a king of the Jews? That's that's actually a really fascinating question. So, we're going to look at this. Now, Matthew's Gospel was written probably around the year A.D. 70. It's very Jewish in its nature. It's the most Jewish in its nature of all the Gospels tending to show that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Hebrew scriptures. And that's uh, very important as well. I'm going to ask them just some basic questions. We've got the passage up there. Who were the magi or the, the wise men? Now, what we know about them is that they were astronomers stroke astrologers. It's what the word meant. And what's fascinating about that is... Just like the shepherds. The shepherds were the lowest of the low in Jewish society. We have shepherds as a romantic image, but they had it as a very different thing. And you wouldn't, if you were making this up, you wouldn't have chosen shepherds as your key witnesses. Nor would you have chosen magi because the Jews despised astrologers uh, and would not have been inclined to trust their testimony. The term magi refers to many different things. It includes astronomers, fortune tellers, and magicians. Uh, These magi, it's generally believed, were professional astronomers. In other words, what they did was they looked at the stars, they tried to interpret the stars, and uh, to pass on information. Where did they come from? It's not said explicitly, it says from the east, uh, back in chapter 1, back in the first verses. They came from the east, and that could be Arabia, it could be uh, different places, but most people think that they came from Babylon for various reasons, one being that Babylon was a center of astronomy, and the other being, and this is quite important, that it was also, it had a large Jewish population. They were not Jews, they were Gentiles but uh, they would have been aware of Jewish teaching and the Hebrew scriptures, and that is important. Why did they make the journey? And again, you think about it. Babylon's 550 miles away, and it's a long way to go. There's no easy jet, just easy camel, and you you are struggling. You think, why are you going to go? It's going to take you several months to go there and back. On average, traveling about... Uh, 17 miles a day so it's a long journey, it's a long time because they saw a star whose star they believed was the star the king of the Jews um, impressive going to King Herod who was the king of the Jews and saying we've seen the star of the king of the Jews they uh, Babylonian astrologers, or astronomers, took two signs to mark the nativity. The first was a horoscope type, if if you think of the zodiac and the zodiacal signs in which the subject was born. The other non-horoscope sign was a sign in the skies, some kind of astronomical phenomena that occurred on the birth date, which was perceived to disclose the subject's destiny. So basically, these men were at home studying the stars. They saw something in the stars that said to them, that convinced them they had to go to Jerusalem to find and actually to worship the king of the Jews. Now that, when you, when you stop and back away from the Christmas tinsel and, you know, all the child's nativity plays with the kids with tea towels on their heads and, uh, and, and so on, you you, th- you think, wait a minute, that's, that's an extraordinary thing. How, the other question for me is, how did the star guide them? Because you can, I, can, I know very little about stars, so this is why I was quite fascinated. I look up and I see stars. You and I, we live in light pollution. Now, I've just made it a bit darker here, so you're not so light polluted. But how many of you go out at night and wander around with your head up looking good? Uh, you don't, Stuart does. Stuart's waving his hand because he's unusual. <laughs> that's, that's all I'm saying, he's unusual. Um, the stars, we, we don't because we, we, we live in cities, most of us anyway. Um, when I grew up as a child, I spent a huge amount of time just staring at the stars and actually, it's well worth it. Go to Balgay here. If you're, if, if you're in Dundee and you're visiting, if you're a student, for example, you've not lived in Dundee unless you've been to the All Night Bakery and Balgay Hill. And uh, Balgay Hill is more important. Go up there and to the uh, astronomy center there and just look at the stars. They really are just incredible. Now, here's the thing. I didn't know this, but if a house is located on the visible horizon you can have a, a light, a star, or as I'm going to argue, a comet in such a position that it pinpoints that particular house. When I was up seeing Owen O'Rourke, um, he told me of this amazing scene that happened when he was coming up from hospital, that as he was driving up and, um, with his, his brother and Ashley in the car, they saw this rainbow, and the rainbow followed them. And it seemed to hit the car. And his brother was so shocked, he stopped the car. He was just absolutely stunned at how close that rainbow seemed to be. And Owen, uh, I think for him, it was a lovely symbol of God's mercy and God's covenant grace. Well, for these wise men, these magi, it, it says here that this star guided them to the very house, to the very place where the child was. Now, if you're not a Christian... Uh, and even if you are a Christian, probably often not thought about it, we might look and we might say, yeah, right, come on, you don't really believe that. And yet I think um, the evidence for it is very uh, important. What was the star? Now that's an interesting thing again, because, and again, uh, I'm not going to go into enough technical detail to satisfy Stuart, but there have been lots and lots of ideas and theories about it. Because of the way that the um, stars have been set in a particular way, there is a uh, we, we can work out what the skies were like in these times. So there was a triple conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn in Pisces in 7, 7 BC. You say, "Oh, what does that mean? It, just, it's, it was a very unique phenomenon. It occurs only when Saturn and Jupiter and Earth are at particular points in their orbits. But that's not a star. Very unusual, but not a star. Other people have said it could have been a nova or a supernova. And a nova is a massive nuclear explosion uh, or an eruption of a still white-hot, old, dying star, and it's called a white dwarf, and it's spectacularly bright. A supernova is just a, a bigger one of those um, and comes up as the brightest star in the sky. Other people say it could have been meteors. Other people say it could have been an ordinary star, because the star Alpha Aquarii was in a particular position at the time of Jesus' birth. Others and I have to admit this is what I just thought that it was a supernatural phenomenon. But the problem with that, it makes the language misleading. Because these were men who studied the stars. They saw something that they recognized and they interpreted it in a particular way. If this was a guiding angel or a specially created light which was not actually a star or something normal, it doesn't make the best sense in terms of the text. It's completely, of course, unfalsifiable. Uh, You can't say that that didn't happen but it's better, I think, to take the text as it stands. Some say it was just a feeling that the wise men had, that they saw the stars and um, they uh, had a feeling about a king for some reason and they they then just followed their instinct and they got to Bethlehem and and so on. It doesn't, again, make a whole lot of sense. And there are plenty others who will say, no, it didn't happen, it was just mythical. And this is, for me, Uh, Absolutely, this is the word of God, and God doesn't lie. But we have a clue from the early church. Uh, A man called Ignatius, in the first century, wrote a letter to the Ephesians. And he says this, A star shone in heaven with a brightness beyond all the stars. Its light was indescribable, and its newness provoked astonishment, and all the other stars, together with the sun and moon, formed a chorus to the star, yet its light far exceeded them all. And there was perplexity regarding from where this new entity entity came, so unlike anything else in the heavens was it. Now what Ignatius is saying is that there was this incredibly bright light, that it was a star, but people just didn't understand or know where it came from. And Colin Nichols suggests this, that it was a comet. Now, that is a picture of uh, the Hale-Bopp comet. Um, a comet, for those of you who don't know, and I didn't know, so um, I'm not presuming all of you are as ignorant as me, but for those of us who, who are, a comet uh, consists of a, a coma. That's a dense cloud of dust it has around a nucleus, and then a tail. A comet can remain in one spot or region of the sky for weeks. It can race very quickly across large sections of the heavens, and they can, ach- they can suddenly change their direction and behavior. Most comets centers are about between 1 and 10 kilometers. hale was between 40 to 70. Um, they can have incredibly long tails. There's a comet in 1769 called Messier's, which was 520 million kilometers long, and they can be incredibly bright. There was a great comet in 1680, which seen from uh, England, Scotland, and Holland, and the Scandinavian countries, was a hundred times brighter than the full moon. I don't know if any of you have seen the Northern Lights. They are so worth going to see. Never mind the Northern Lights of old Aberdeen. Go to Orkney or Lewis. You get just incredible. Uh, once the Northern Lights, it's If you've seen the northern lights or anything like them, it's something that you never, ever forget. Okay, so what? If that's what a comet is, so what? Well, this is what. Comets in the Bible. God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night. And let them serve as signs to mark seasons and days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. Biblically, the stars, comets, and other things are often perceived as signs. And as you go through the Bible, I'm not going to go through all the verses, but there are quite a few which indicate that. The most important in terms of this uh, the birth of Christ comes from Balaam's prophecy in Numbers twenty four, seventeen. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob, a scepter will rise out of Israel. He will crush the foreheads of Moab, the skulls of all the sons of Sheth. Now that's a prophecy, and the early church understood this as being this, specifically of the star, it's a star talking about Jesus, but the star that comes and points towards the coming Messiah. And then, in Isaiah, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Now, we understand we're talking about spiritual darkness and Christ's light coming into this dark world, light of the world, and so on. But what is being suggested is that there was also a physical light which acted as a sign to it, which fits in with what the Scripture says about the stars and so on, being seen as signs. The Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Here's um, a picture of the great comet of 1881. Because I had thought comets, you know, you see them like we saw the hail one going along in the sky. How could it point to a particular place? According to Matthew chapter 2, from uh, verse nine onwards, the star went ahead of them. It's, um, if you want to go into reading Nichols' book, all the technical details of how comets move and how it could last for several months, and so on, it went. Th- it arrived eventually in Bethlehem. And from their point of view, the star was stationed over one particular house. The comet was over one particular house. You get to a stage in a comet's life when it looks as though it's going straight up and down. And from where they were coming and the angle that they approached it, they were going to Bethlehem and how did they know which house to go to? Um, Herod was very keen to find out because he wanted to kill Jesus. But uh, he would have much preferred if... The uh, wise men had come back and had uh, said, listen, um, we found where he is. He tried to deceive them in that way. But as they're approaching Bethlehem, how do they go? I mean, it's a bit like, I don't know, someone says, oh, I'm going to go to Dundee and uh, I want to meet, well, I don't know, just any one of you, Hugh Henderson. He stays in Dundee. How do we get to the house? Well, Hugh might be relatively famous, but Mary and Joseph, it wasn't even their home. Yeah, you know, I mean, it wasn't, they wouldn't have been particularly famous in that sense, going and ask, how could they find, where will this child be? And imagine them, it says, when their star rose ahead of them, it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. They came to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. Basically, these men had, read this, if you like, in the stars. They'd understood certain things. They'd followed what they understood. They came to Jerusalem. They were told to go to Bethlehem. They went to Bethlehem. The star or the comet that they had been following went on their way and it stood just right above the house. I mean, they must have been absolutely stunned with that. How did this star... Reveal so much information to the Magi. How did they know? One thing we do know is that they would have known the Hebrew Scriptures. So they're looking at the Scriptures as well, and then we find things like uh, Numbers twenty-four seventeen, not just a star but a scepter. And Nichols suggests that it uh, the star initially. Would have the comet would have looked like a scepter. And they would have known this. So we said, here's a sign in the skies that's a sign of a scepter. Let's follow it. And they, they, they would have understood that. But then there's a great clue given to us to help us appreciate this in Revelation chapter twelve. A part of the Bible I've never understood. Okay? A great and wondrous sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on his heads. His tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that he might devour her child the moment it was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. Now, that's clearly about Jesus. But what is the sign in the heaven? That's the thing that always puzzled me. What what sign in the heaven? Not just a sign in in John's mind or in in this vision that he had, but the sign in the heaven. Well, this is what I find um, very fascinating. That is uh, the zodiacal female sign of Virgo, the virgin, often portrayed with wings, as in uh, Revelation 12 and verse 14. Virgo was a, a virgin of child-bearing age. This is an, an early drawing of, and you'll get many of them like this, where people the, take the stars and they draw this picture around them. Now, this was known to the Jews, to the Babylonians, to the Greeks, to the Romans. Nobody would have any question or doubt. If they said, where is Virgo, someone like Stuart would be able to tell you. But most people in in those times, especially those who who studied and looked at the stars, would instantly have been able to tell you. And the key thing is the Magi would have known straight away what that was. Here's the fascinating thing. In Revelation, we're told that the woman had a crown of 12 stars. In Virgo, there are 12 stars of what they call a magnitude of 4.5, which you can see with... Uh, the naked eye. Even more astonishing, when you do them, then I can, you can get drawings of them. I'm sorry I didn't get one uh, for you, but you can get drawings of them which have them in the shape of a crown, uh, a mitre or a royal crown, like a tiara. So if, just hold me with this one just for a second. If these men are looking and they're looking and they see this tremendous new thing come, in this constellation of Virgo, the Virgin, what then if remember, we were back earlier, it said about the, the dragon, another sign appeared in heaven. Well, if you look at the stars, the constellation of Virgo, just south of that, is this constellation, which is known as Hydra, and it is that of a snake or of a dragon. In fact, this is how it's portrayed in uh, a medieval picture of that and the whole idea was of a dragon and there's this picture of a dragon and it being again in all myths as well in Greek and in Roman in Babylonian and in Egyptian there's this idea of a conflict in the heavens between a snake or a dragon and the woman and Uh, they would have seen that as well, and they would have known that. The suggestion is that when this massive comet appeared, it appeared in Virgo, and uh, again, I'll not go into all the details, but the idea would be that the comet appeared, and it looked as though the woman was giving birth. And the way that it was described. So here is the virgin It's a sign in the heavens. They would have understood that there was a a woman who was going to give birth and that there was going to be an attack upon that very special child. It talks about a third of the stars falling to the ground. Is that a prophecy about something that's yet to come? It doesn't make sense if you think that because the rest of the chapter really talks about the birth of Christ in Revelation 12. Well, that picture that you see there, that is a meteor storm. It's possible that a great meteor storm with possibly hundreds of thousands of meteors per hour streaking through the sky, that they saw that. So in the stars, these men who would have known the Jewish scriptures would have seen signs which would indicate the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. And they would go, wait a minute, we've read about this, we know about this. Nicol goes so far as to say, because we can look back in time through the stars, because the, the um, movement of the stars is so fixed, we can actually date this, and he dates it precisely to 20th October of the year 6 B.C., Um, Now, some of you who are quite smart will go, wait a minute, B.C., that's before Christ. I thought Christ would have been born in zero or one. The answer to that is quite straightforward. We know that King Herod was there, and Herod died in the year 4 B.C., and the man who initially drew up in the third century, the the timescale, basically got that wrong. That's not what's in the Bible. So we know that Jesus must have been born before 4 B.C. and after 7 B.C., So 6 BC makes sense. Now if you take all that together, and I realize it's a lot to take in, if Revelation 12 records celestial wonders in the sky, signs in the heavens, as it says, that so impress the Magi, suddenly their behavior, traveling hundreds of miles to worship the Messiah, securing gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, appears much more reasonable. In other words, what they saw in the sky was a nativity play far greater than anything you will ever see or we will ever see, even in here. They saw this, these signs which indicated all of that. And therefore, you can. when they came to Bethlehem, what the stars were showing, were giving signs of, was what has actually happened in Bethlehem. And incredibly for them, the star or the comet had led them right to the Messiah. The comet that had indicated the messianic baby in the great celestial wonders in Virgo and, uh, and so on was now pinpointing his precise location on the earth. Now, some people will say that's just too fantastic to believe because we know that the, the fixed orbit and so on of all these things, you're really saying that God... Fix the whole universe so this would happen. Um, duh. Yeah. Exactly. That's the point. Let me give, let me explain it in a slightly different way. Um, the space probe Voyager. It was launched 38 years ago, before some of you were born, to go to Mars. We fixed it on an orbit. You know where it's going. Meant to go next, Alpha Centauri, seventy thousand years. If human beings can fix things to go in a projected way and we're so weak and so fallible, why can't God fix all the stars and all the constellations and everything so that it all comes together at this precise point, especially when what we're talking about is the coming of his son into the world to save the world? I think... uh, for me, we were singing there Psalm 148. And, and again, I hadn't really noticed this. Notice how when you read through the Psalms or you read the prophets, how they keep saying, the stars are fixed. We're reading through Job, fixed. And they are fixed. They're not random. And who fixed them? God fixed them in their trajectory. So you, you can, if you want, I mean, I, I don't suppose it makes a massive difference. At one level, you you can say, well it was just a supernatural light or it was an angel or whatever. Or you can take what the text says here and wait a minute, say, well, actually, this makes sense. That God so worked all these things that at this precise time, there was this massive comet, possibly the brightest comet that has ever been that guided these men who studied the stars because they believed that the Messiah was born in Bethlehem. Incidentally, just a couple of other clues. Uh, Bethlehem itself means house of grain. This may be a small thing, but uh, Virgo and the Virgin was always associated with grain. Or another one, that uh, the, what's called the, the rising, the, the initial rising of the comet, which would probably have been a year before for the wise men to see, and the, the eventual peak of the comet's brightness. They occurred at the same time as the start of the great Hebrew Feast of Tabernacles. During this festival, four golden candelabras were lit in the court of the women in the temple to give light to all of Jerusalem. I think that uh, there are so many pictures and symbols and so on coming together and sometimes people say to us your god is too small look at the universe but what if our god fixed the trajectory of the planets and particularly this comet coming in and so on to prepare to announce the birth of the savior of the world um incidentally, that's, there, there's a comet of 1680 over Rotterdam. It was painted at the time. It's to show you how it can be uh, direct and straight and very, very bright. In fact, there was a, a lot of scare amongst the people because they, they saw the signs. This from Justin Martyr in the second uh, century. Another testimony. That he should arise like a star from the seed of Abraham. Moses showed beforehand when he thus said, A star shall arise from Jacob and their leader from Israel. Accordingly, when a star rose in heaven at the time of his birth, as is recorded in the memoirs of his apostles, the magi, reckoning the sign by this, came and worshipped him. That's the extraordinary thing. God, these men, knew that a star would rise. And they saw this star. We have seen his star. And we have come to worship him. I mean, they knew that It wasn't an ordinary king. They didn't worship kings. They knew from the scriptures and they knew from their understanding of the stars and they knew from the signs that were given to them that the Messiah was to be born and that he was worthy of worship. The most magnificent comet in human history had announced that the Messiah was born, who he was, what he was destined to do, and where he was. And I find that just stunning. In so many ways. John 8, 12. Jesus says this. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. But will have the light of life. And of course he means that. In the sense of. The darkness we feel within ourselves. The darkness of sin. And so on. But remember. The whole heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim his handwork, the stars and everything else are given as signs. And Jesus is claiming to be the ultimate, to be the the one to whom every sign points, and this great sign of the star over the stable. Now for you, you may think, ah, so what for me I think, wow, because I you know. The Magi could have just got a piece of paper being told, look, go to Bethlehem, number 12, you know, Way Street or whatever, and you will find in a stable or whatever, you'll find in the house, sorry, and uh, because it's not in the stable, you'll find in a house this Messiah. But instead, these men who were not Jews looked, saw in the heavens, followed what they saw, and came to see it brought into place. I mean, can you imagine the feeling that they had? And of course, they then had a visit from an angel uh, and uh, they were warned in a dream, rather, verse 12. It was Joseph who had the visit from the angel later on. They were warned in a dream not to go back to Herod. They returned to their country by another route. Psalm 19 says this, "'The heavens declared the glory of God. "'The skies proclaimed the work of his hands.'" Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. Sometimes our picture of God is too small. This is a God who can so orchestrate all of that that he can bring people who are not his people but who recognize what is going on and in his common grace, if you like, and his special grace and mercy, he brings them to Jerusalem. He takes them to Bethlehem and he lets them see his son. It is, um, we'll, we'll say more about the wise men next week. We'll say more about the gifts and so on as well. But that star of Bethlehem, it's not a romantic thing. It's not just something you put on a Christmas card. It's one of the great wonders of the heavens that speak the glory of God and proclaim the work of his hands. Now, for those of you who are a little bit skeptical, and that's fair enough, I picked up um, uh, Colin's book and in, when I was at a bookshop in Belfast, and I thought, no, nah, I, don't, I, I don't like these kind of books. You know, all these books that try and explain the Bible in some way and uh, there are secret codes and so on. I, I was going to put it down and then I saw that John Lennox had commended it. And then I saw that Rabbi Zacharias had commended it and Eric Metaxas and others and serious people. And I thought, okay, maybe there's something in this. And I thought, I'll buy it, take it home and read it in a couple of years because I've got lots of other things to do. And then I started reading it, and uh, honestly, I I found it really, really difficult to put down. And for me, it just brought this passage of Scripture, and particularly when you put it in conjunction, which I hadn't really, and some of you will say, well, how didn't you know that? You're supposed to be a minister, and and you say, I I knew that. The Numbers passage, the uh, Isaiah passage, the Revelation, Revelation passage, it all ties incredibly well together. And uh, I think it's just a testimony. The star of Bethlehem points us to Jesus, and we need continually to remember that. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you are so able to order all things, even the very paths of the stars, that they testify your glory, not just in their power, not just in their size, but in the wonders that you show us in the heavens. We lift our eyes and we can see. We thank you that you have revealed in your word what these things mean. We thank you for the coming of Christ and for just the wonder that 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 is. Thank you, Lord, that the Magi studying in Babylon saw this amazing sign in the heavens and because of what they knew from your word as it was then, and because of what they saw, they believed and they obeyed and they followed, and they came to worship. Thank you, O Lord, that you so ordered the comet, the star, whatever it was, that when they approached Bethlehem, there it was, pointing to the very house. Where Christ was born. Thank you that the testimony of that great light in the sky is a testimony to the light that all of us need. And may we walk in His light and follow His ways. And O oh Lord our God, we ask that we would be those who wonder at your power and your glory and realize that the one who created all the stars, the one who set them all in their motion, the one who brought his son to earth is also the one who knows and deals with and cares about every single problem we have. He who flung stars into space was crucified for us. And he who flung stars into space knows every hair on our head and knows every need that we have And for him to send a comet to mark the birth of his son, it is not too great that he can also send and does ordain all things for the good of those who love him. We worship you like the wise men did. We come to acknowledge our own frailty and weakness and we come to glorify you as the great God and Savior in your name. Amen.